side, welcome back to Badum Test. It's the comedy podcast where we laugh a little, we learn a little, and today we love a little. <laughs> That's, That's <sweet>. right. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I liked it. We're talking sex education. Yes. I'm Tessa, and I'm joined as always by somebody who dug a big hole on the beach and then made a huge drip sandcastle, Trina Sanyal. I actually did do that. I actually did do that last May. It was great. Um, hi. Nice. T- see, the, reason I, the reason I'm, there's so much shock in my voice, listener, is because normally Tessa does those introductions of me and they're like only 20% true. Like, I'm there, or they're like, or they're like not true at all. Like, Tessa will call me a white horse, sure. which is really nice, but obviously not true. Um, yes. Thank you for having me as always. Absolutely. <laughs> um, listener, we have a warning for you, which is that we are yeah. recording this. Um, opening after we've done right. our interviews. Um, and you're in so for we a know treat. What's coming. <laughs> we do know what's coming. We know what's coming. We do. And it's you for don't the know best. What's coming. It's for the best that we that we know what's, yeah. what's coming. Um, a little bit of a content warning. I think this episode is going to get pretty explicit, pretty nasty. You know, <laughs> yeah. Wet. Um, might make you think deeply about your own sexual experiences. And if that's not what you're into, right now and you want something a little bit more chill, something to listen to with your family in the car, this is not right. that episode. This is not if that episode. If you're on a road trip don't listen. Yeah. Maybe by yourself. Lucky for you, lucky for you, but um, Tess has a slew of other episodes. Exactly. I recommend, why don't you go back and listen to the Mermaids episode? That one's beautiful and and under the sea. I love that one. I also also love the the denim episode. Ghost episode oh, yeah. is killer too. Anyway, they're all great. with a real cowboy. Yeah, you could listen to all of them. Yeah, Just, listen to all of those before you, you get can to this also, one. Also, you can listen to this one. You Just should listen your, to this. Just prepare be your body and mind. <laughs> We're both twenty three year olds. Yes. Um, I, in spite of myself, and in spite of like how much work I feel I've done towards my attitude towards sex, etc. Yes. Still feel a little like giggly and as if I were a third grade boy when the topic is brought up. Totally. Um, because, well, I mean, first and foremost, I got really terrible sex education. Like, mm-hmm. definitely, definitely nothing that uh, could apply to me now is helpful, except for maybe like use a condom. And, um, but in South Carolina, where I received my sex education, they were really adamant about um, abstinence mm-hmm. as the only answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's where I'm coming from as a background. But but what about you? Which, did you get any sex education? Yeah, growing I mean, up in Hoboken. <laughs> I did not grow up in Hoboken. I'm 45 minutes away from Hoboken. I'm joking, um, but I am actually. Um, Uh, Yeah. I mean, I kind of got some of the same stuff. I think the interesting thing about the way I internalized all of that stuff is that I thought none of it applied to me because I, (laughs) um, just because I didn't feel like anybody was going after me like that. I was like, just like, didn't really feel very attractive to anyone until honestly pretty recently. So when I was getting those lessons in like middle school, um, I was like, okay, well, who's all going to do that with me? Like, I just was like really convinced that it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not only did I feel 13, I think I just felt so 
like not desired in that way. And even in high school, I was like, I wasn't, I didn't have like a lot of suitors or anything like that. And I think I, so I just like never felt like I needed to take it seriously. And then I got to college and suddenly I was like needing to recall that stuff from like years ago and none of it felt robust enough to handle some of the experiences I was having. Also, you don't Mm -hmm. like, you, you're only learning about like one kind of sex when you're doing that stuff. And so I still feel really like... And it's a bad kind of sex, I would yes. argue. The way they teach you about sex is like, damn, I don't want to get in on that. Yeah, that it feels crazy. And so I just yeah. think I um, definitely have a lot more... I want to... I feel like I'm... I want to be more um, comfortable with it. And I want to like feel really excited. But I honestly just think it's straight up weird. Like, it's just yeah. weird. <laughs> like, you're literally like naked. Like, I'm like, what are we doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think... There's some of that. Sometimes you look down and you're like, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it it takes a lot. I mean, you wouldn't just like, I don't know, especially if you're with someone you just met. Yeah. Which does happen sometimes. Absolutely. Um, Of course. And you're just like, okay, I don't know what your last name is. Yeah. Why Uh, am I looking at your kneecaps right now? You know? Right. Oh, my God. Wow. That's very specific. I think also, I think a lot of how much I'm able to take myself out of the moment because... I just like start analyzing it a little bit too closely. Like, you know, the, com- course, the, the yeah. like silly conversations people will have right before they kiss where they're like, yeah, what would you do if I, if I had this color sweater and they're like touching your sweater, you know what I mean? Just, and you're like, what? <laughs> it's such a stupid thing I to mean, say, but it's like, part no, yeah, of that the is play. also, I think that's, that's a very queer experience that you're describing right now. It is, but no, it doesn't, it has, hasn't ha- only happened to me with wow. queer people. It's happened really across the board um, as an equal opportunist. And I think Good everybody just gets a bit like awkward and weird and starts mm-hmm. saying things that are like, not only not that charming, but they also like, aren't really that hot. And then you have to just kind of be right. like, okay, so you, I know you want to kiss now because you're like saying, you're like talking <laughs> very closely about like the kind of wooden chair you're sitting on. And so, right. you know, so it's just, they're just waiting for that pause before where you can yeah, like, okay, you, like look at each other. I'm so upset. Yeah. I'm so unwilling to have this conversation right now that I will kiss you to make you stop talking about yeah. it. Yeah. But I think, um, this is a really good topic for our episode because mm-hmm. I think people think of sex education as first of all the hit show which i love and i recommend it to everyone um gorgeous or or you think you recall like a middle school classroom setup or Mm -hmm. you're thinking about all the ways that you like don't really know what you're doing so i think there's a lot Mm -hmm. of or um, maybe i don't know maybe a lot of really confident sexually active people listen to this podcast and are like, no, I yeah. know what I'm doing. No, totally. And if you are, good for you. Leave a review down below. Right. I'd love to know um, what that's like. I just, I think yeah. also there's a lot of pressure to be like so confident and so communicative. Like everyone's like, yeah, well, what you need for good sex is communication. And I think right. that that's true <laughs> to a point, but I also think there are some things that like logistically and skill wise, like we can also give ourselves space to be bad at, like you can be bad at certain things and communicate through them, but you can be like, damn, I, you know what? I'm going to need a little bit of help. So I I just think there's like, I'm obviously not coming off as like the most gorgeous, (laughs) like (laughs) that's, but that's not what this podcast is about. Because honestly, like I, I think my whole experience of, I think I immediately went into sex and everything about body stuff 
expecting or at least pretending like I would be really good at it Mm -hmm. because there's just no space for messing up or it doesn't feel like that. But the fact of the matter is, yeah, especially when you're young, you're probably going to mess up and that's where you learn things. It sucks because you have to really fall flat on your face sometimes. Yeah. But like give yourself the space, you know, it's fine to like be figuring things out because how would you know how would you know just jumping in bed with someone like this is what I want this is how I want it exactly Um, well I also think I also think that for me some of it is wrapped up in like well if I was I if I was the size of a wafer if I was so thin (laughs) and if I had not iota of hair on my whole body and if I was tall like a Swedish model and (laughs) if I had French tipped manicured nails and blonde highlights. So if I looked literally like a Polly Pocket, basically, I would have perfect sex all the time. (laughs) But because I am not any of those things, Mm -hmm. that's the reason why it's not working. And I think that that is also a crazy thing that we grow up with. And not, I mean, obviously, again, we're like, I'm not trying to even... I don't even mean to be like society teaches you because I think like whatever we're all saying that over and over again on Instagram in so many yeah. different graphics and so many different fonts but I really like so many graphics so many graphics <laughs> um I just think it's true though like damn so many times I'm like if I just become thin and awesome I will be awesome at everything and that's just like weird like it's thin just, and awesome yeah. <laughs> well, who I'm trying to think of like who were the like the sex icons that we grew up with? Is that what you call them? Sex icons? I don't know. I think like people like I think that Britney like Spears. Yeah, I feel like there's almost this like I don't think anybody explicitly ever calls themselves a sex icon cuz that would be straight up I think be a different territory of media even. But I think Right. I think that there are ways that celebrities and famous people kind of like ooze that vibe without really being explicit about it just by being like Mm -hmm. kind of like thin and clear skinned and highlights all over their nose. The cast of Victorious, I think. Yes, that's Uh, a perfect example. (laughs) (laughs) Like you look at that group of actors and you're like, oh, they will know what they're doing because they're all like wearing leather right. boots perfectly flawless skin and yes. um little tiny little bodies right like um, small or angles. muscular big bodies you know yes because we should we should you know add in a caveat right um sex education is for everyone which mm-hmm. is something our second guest is gonna talk about um so get ready for that it's very yeah. important yeah um, you, sh- you can yeah. think of this episode. You, let's map this episode out for the listener. I think okay, you yeah. should think I'm of right. it as the this part of it and our next interview is about like the silly experiences you have sexually in your own life, whatever, whatever, and all the ways that we think about it and how it's funny and mm-hmm. can be weird and I don't know, just like all the ways that you would consider sex. And then we move into birth and how those two things are related and how we can think about them together. And I'm really excited for you, listener, to Mm -hmm. hear both interviews and to kind of let them percolate in your mind. Think about what that means for you. It was a great episode. I'm very excited for everyone to hear it. I have a question for you. 
Tessa. Okay, ask away. And this is a question we asked our second guest. Or no, yeah, our second guest. When did you begin to feel a little bit more comfortable with talking about this stuff? Because you mentioned that you had this like Uh kind of (laughs) really tense or not clear sense of what Mm -hmm. sex was in your own education. So how did you end up learning? Like for me, it was like a lot of my friends. I think overall, I definitely wouldn't put myself in the top tier, but I (laughs) have instead of being like, I need to get better at this. I started being like, I (laughs) need to be open-minded in all things, Mm -hmm. you know, because sometimes people bring things up and your initial, your initial thought is to be like, ew, or scared. And instead of having any thoughts about it, I tried to be just like, huh, let me think about this Mm -hmm. because this is interesting. Mm -hmm. I think sex is always a little bit complicated it's an absolutely insane act and it's crazy it's like a little gross you know yeah Yeah, you're like totally sweaty and you need sometimes to stop and get water and you have to be like hey stop real quick i'm so thirsty um (laughs) and (laughs) it's funny (laughs) i just try to stop and it's it's certainly not there all the way but i think for me and something i would advise to others honestly is to try and relinquish a little bit of like mm. self-judgment because it really doesn't help mm. um anything and yeah. you're not gonna have a good time if you're you know judging yourself for every action you do because what you're doing is a little ridiculous so just yeah. accept it you know That's make jokes true. about it there you go yeah I make comedy about it is how i get through it <laughs> Yeah, I do too. I've noticed that it's, it works. I, I think I've noticed that that's like the only thing I know what, like how to do when I'm like in a kind of a funny <laughs> situation. Like, yeah. I'll just be like, oh my God, your water bottle's blue. Like, I'll just say crazy <laughs> stuff that isn't relevant, nor right. is it like kind of cool or hot. Like, it's just like kind of commentary. And I've been trying to stop doing that. <laughs> Cause I think it's yeah. not very cool of me. Um, but sometimes it gets a kick out of people and then they're like, I think my whole bit is I'm like, you can find me so charming that it won't even matter that it wasn't that good. <laughs> like, right. Right. Um, <laughs> not saying that that's, you know, the case, but I get to the end and I say, was that funny for you? Exactly. Too? <laughs> it's like, what could I? Yeah, it's exactly. Which I think is just like every comic ever being like, well, was it funny? Yeah. You know, I think it's like <laughs> leave the room saying, well, that was my my type five. Right. <laughs> Thanks for coming. <laughs> no, that is actually week. obscene. Yeah, this is my type five. Um, you know, if you don't want any of the performative aspects of it, I can just tell you the jokes next time and we don't have to do all the right. other stuff. I can send you my notes. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I think that that neurosis also, I mean, maybe it's not quite neurosis, but just like that anxiety around it is not always warranted. I think like there are many moments sure. where if if comics really tried, we could be cool. If we just relaxed oh, for yeah. two seconds and stopped saying <laughs> the stupidest shit, we could make things cooler for ourselves. We don't. If I could <laughs> shut the fuck up for just like a minute. Oh, right. man. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. But anyway, that's what you can expect on this here episode of But I'm Tess. Exactly. Um, get, honestly, I would say strap in. Um, I would say strap on. <laughs> and um, get ready for a whirlwind adventure. 
We'll be right back after these few commercial messages. Seven in 10 girls believe that they are, in some way, not good enough. For more information on this startling statistic, please visit patriarchy.biz. But here at Gold Comedy, we're using comedy to help girls run the world. How? By helping teen girls and women and non-binary folks boost their confidence, smash perfectionism, write sharper, think faster, and command any stage. I'm Gold's founder, Lynn Harris, and I approve this message. And the message that soup is always good after a bad day. But that's not what this ad is for. Soup doesn't need ads. Join Gold Comedy at club.goldcomedy.com. Welcome back to Badum Tess. I've sung way too much in this episode, and it's because I think such sex education still makes me a little like, <laughs> even though I'm 23 years old. Um, and I apologize for the listener. So we're back, and we have such an exciting guest. I've I've been looking forward to this specific day for I'm probably my whole life, but I didn't know. Um, she is. A comedian slash, I would argue, influencer, certainly for me. Um, she's TikTok famous, so um, she is based out of North Carolina. My 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 brethren to the north, I think, because I'm from South Carolina. Yeah. And she's with us today. Please welcome Rocky. Hey, hey, welcome hey. Rocky. Hello. Um, Rocky, we... Like we had you, we thought of you immediately when we were like, we're having a sex education podcast because you are a self, self-proclaimed, should have been a sex education teacher. And I have so many questions about Yeah, why do you, that. why do you say that about yourself? I want to know. What's up? Uh, I've, I've sold a lot more pussy than I have paintings. And okay, yes. <laughs> I've had a lot, of, I've had a lot of sex with a lot okay. of different type of people. When did you get comfortable i mean i feel like everyone has a kind of a lifelong adult relationship with sex and for me at this age i'm pretty still uncomfortable with it and i'm just wondering when that shit wears off because it's getting a little old i'm like i'm not like 18 anymore i'm like 23 and i'm still like ooh, what is that you know what i mean so i'm like when is that gonna end (laughs) i guess is what i'm wondering to be honest um it doesn't. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Like, so I have a friend mm-hmm. and like when I'm with him, it's like new every time and I'm still shy. Oh, Even wow. though we've kind of been together for 28 years. Like with other people, it's just like, ah, okay, wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Like, okay. Right. I think it's when that, when it's with that person you like and love, like it's always going to feel like, like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Like a random, I tell you, <laughs> yeah. Well, because when it's a random, you can kind of, dare I say it, <laughs> I'm going to be lambasted for this, but you can kind of turn it into an improv scene. And you what? Pick, you pick <laughs> Tessa, why? I can't believe you just yeah. said that's that. I, no, that's what I was wanting to say. You can be who you want to be. You guys, I'm sorry. The way you guys are talking about it is like you have your, like all cylinders are firing in these experiences. When I'm, when I'm ever in any of these kinds of encounters, I feel like I can only operate off of like hand goes here next. Okay. You know what I mean? Like you're like, you're like talking about improv. Like I just, I'm sorry. (laughs) If you're thinking of yourself as someone else. Why would you do uh, that? Like, I'm the type of person who would do this right now. I'm mm. going to do this right now. 
Um, and is that yeah. like a coping method? Maybe, but whatever. <laughs> okay. Yes, and I I went to South Carolina public schools, and they gave us sex education there, but it was like you know a thirty minute sesh where they certainly avoided everything. I remember my fourth grade teacher just kind of making it like a Mad Lib session where she was like, you know, fill in the blank. <laughs> she also asked us if we had ever seen our moms using a tampon what? Um, without telling us what a tampon was before. So that, that was my sex education experience. So it's, I think it's really good that you're, you're in the public or you were in the public schools, you know, telling the kids yeah. what they actually need to hear. Yeah. What did you, you ended up being an art teacher, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Could you tell us like a little bit about that? What, what's it like to be, I mean, you're crazy kooky. I bet you'd be a really fun teacher. I think my, my class, my students would say it was lit. Okay. Um, yes. But I taught middle school. <laughs> I taught middle school for two years. And then, like, at the end of that second year, I was like, man, I'm going to fight one of these kids. And I don't want to fight a kid because I'm going <laughs> to end up fighting their mama at Walmart. I'm and, dead. <laughs> so I had to leave middle school uh, and I went to teach high school. And that was my jam. High school teaching was my jam. So I taught high school for six years. But the art teacher that came behind me in middle school, she ended up fighting a kid and got fired. So... <laughs> Damn it. I wasn't wrong. I uh, feel good in my decision. I was not wrong. How do you, you know? I mean, how do you, I'm, I want to go back to how open you are with your students mm -hmm. um, and how that works for you. I mean, is that because do you feel like you had teachers along the way that were really open with you? And so that's why you feel like you can do that? Or is it like, no, you? it was the exact opposite. Like I didn't have anybody. <laughs> I didn't have anybody to talk to about. So I'm going to, okay, I'm going to tell you the exact, my dad uh, gave us our birds and bees talk. Mm -hmm. And it was basically, not basically, this was it. Uh, I'm going to let y'all know a dude only wants to get his dick wet. And that mm -hmm. was it. The end. Nice. <laughs> yeah. That was the sex Fair talk. enough. Fair enough, honestly. I feel like that's all that, I, I feel like that that is still all I have all I know yeah. and all I've heard, which feels crazy to feel. Yeah, that's my mindset. And yeah. I feel like if I had someone, you know, to tell me you don't lose your virginity in the front seat of a 1986 Broham. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to tell us that story at all? Did you love him? Yeah. What no, was the? <laughs> I, I don't even think I had. A, okay, so I had a boyfriend. Right. Nice. And then I was seeing another guy. I, I shouldn't have been doing this. Oh my god. Oh my god. I, I, you, you're a rock early. star. Okay. I started out early. How okay. early is early? So, How old were you? When I lost my virginity, I was 16. I was a senior in high school. Okay. Got it. Oh. Okay. And and then I lost it again uh, <laughs> my freshman year in college. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Happens. Okay. Everyone so, loses their virginity okay. twice. Hold on. I'm going I'm to switch the subject for a second. I don't understand why women would, like, tell people how many men they've been with. Like, like, women don't understand, like, as long as you don't have a, like, stretch marks, like, my stomach looks like a, a little Debbie's oatmeal cake. Like, I can't be a virgin again. Oh but God. if I was, like, 22, I'll be a virgin the rest of my life until I had kids. You know what I'm saying? That's just right. a little bit, mm. little bit of advice for you young ladies. It's too late, Rocky. I mean, I'm not going to know. 
That's so funny. Fair enough. That's true. Dudes don't know. And that's all they want. You can get anything you want. Oh, yeah. You're just like, oh, I'm a virgin. And then you're an absolute freak animal. And they're like, (laughs) wow. (laughs) I go, baby, I watch a lot of porn. Right. W. Oh, Oh, my God. Okay. No, the uh, Broham situation. Okay. (laughs) So, and this dude later on went to play for the New York Jets. Uh, oh, oh wow! Congratulations! I just want know that. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, status <laughs> trophy. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I talk about dudes like how dudes talk about girls sometimes, and I am not embarrassed. Well, okay. that's fun. Um, I feel like I I do that too with men specifically. I mean, I'm like it feels funny sometimes to be like, and you know what else? And just to say <laughs> things like that because that's what they're doing all the time, and it's like, why yeah. not? I don't know. Right, I'm yeah. just having fun. But um, I was actually doing my friend a favor. This was totally oh unplanned virginity lossage. Um, <laughs> okay, not lost. Because I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't <laughs> going to lose my virginity till I was 25. That was my plan. Okay. Um, and I was going to lose it and have kids at the same time. Just get it out of the way. Right. As Jesus intended. But it didn't happen. Um, mm-hmm. So I was on a double date with my best friend. Cute. Very and cute. They're in, the, they're in the back seat. This is after we've had fun with the putt-putt, a movie, blah, blah, blah. Uh, high yeah. school stuff. And so <laughs> right. we pulled over on the side of the road, listened to music. And they're in the back seat. My best friend <laughs> and her boyfriend in the back seat. And I'm like, what is going on? Uh, we listened to the, uh, I don't know what we was listening to. <laughs> No, yeah, because the music choice is an important thing. Yeah. Right. And so mm-hmm. they're making out, and then we start making out. And next thing you know, I've got a hand in my pants, and I'm like, okay, is this it, girl? Is it happening? Oh, is my God. Is this really happening? And he's like, uh-huh. you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, okay. And then we did it. And we were in the front seat of a, and it was not, uh, now, okay, I don't know how detailed I should go. Um, <laughs> you're as already much there, as you feel buddy. comfortable. We're, we're yeah. already right here. We're already here. This dude to right. me in high school had, like, to this day, had the biggest thing. Had, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's crazy. Now, later on in our, uh, like, friendship, like, we're, we're still cool. He was like, it was only a nine and a half. And I'm like, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh. My God! That's Wait, my so shoe can size. I just can I ask? Can I? Uh, that is also my shoe size. Can I just ask a Tessa? We should share shoes. We should share shoes. Yeah. So, so <laughs> ju- I just want to I want to get a spatial understanding of what's going on. Okay. You were in the front seat with yes. this person, and then there was another couple doing the same thing in the back seat. So you guys were in the car you together. You were kind of in an orgy for your first. <laughs> Oh, God damn, bitch, you bad. I never thought of it that way. I'm Mother. sorry to put it that way. No, no and I didn't beautiful. mean it. No, no, no. But I, it I seems like it seems like you both were, like, all four of you were having yeah. sex at the same time in the same place right. with yes. different people. So I'm just like, in a way, that's a metaphor for life. Because someone there are always two yeah. couples having sex at once in the world. Do you know what I mean? That's like, right. that's very possible. But I'm just like, you were in the front and you were, So I just want to know, after all of this happened, can mm-hmm. you walk me through what the ride home was like? Okay, so we were actually on the next street over. From your house. 
Yeah, so me and my friend, we got off the car and we walked through the path to her house. Okay. And then and we stayed on the same street. And then I walked up five doors to my house. Okay. Bow-legged. Right, of course. We weren't supposed to be out with no boys. Of course of not. But can I ask, did you did you and your friend have an exchange where you had this realization where you had both just had sex in the car together? Yeah. Did you that high is five? happened. Let me tell you something. We just talked about this maybe three years ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. It was, it was 30 years of silence. Like, That's like Because I want to blame her for right. me. Lose, because if she hadn't got started, then, you know, it wouldn't have been on them. What do they call pheromones? <laughs> right. Like, pheromones. Can I just say that my favorite kind of hanging out with someone, though, is a kiss is a kiss in the car. I love a car kiss. I really do. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. It's, I think sex in, in a car is, you know, that I think logistically that would be kind of challenging for me. But I love, do you guys know that song that's like, I just want to make out in my car? That one? That's, I Moses love something. Of course. And also then Sufjan Stevens did a cover of it. And I just love yeah. the idea of just kissing someone in the car. My first kiss happened in a car. Um, oh in a most of my kisses happened in a car, actually. Yeah, my so first fun. kiss was actually at a track meet in the back of. It was called the Tin Can on the campus of UNC Chapel Hill. That was my first kiss, and sweet, like that is the only first kiss I remember. Like I don't remember oh. any other boyfriend's first kisses ever. Oh, like none of them just left me like. None of them left you dumbfounded. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's actually an interesting thing to think about because I think I'm thinking of like my first kiss ever, but if I had to track my first kiss with like each person I've been in a relationship with, I feel like that is a, is a taller order. Like I, I can, I can conjure it, but it is, um, respectfully, it it can be challenging. Yeah. Every new person has different lips too. Yeah. I mean, everybody is a different person and Right. And your different first straight kiss versus your first queer kiss. Oh, that's different. Game changer. That's different. Changes Game changer. <laughs> Wait, I remember one of my students, uh, he asked me about my body count. These kids, they, these kids wow. nowadays. That's bold. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I, I had never heard of it, you know, referred to as a body count. And I said, boy, you know, I ain't killed nobody. <laughs> and we later, don't know one, that actually. <laughs> Close, but no cigar. Right. Um, but when the students had to explain to me what a body count was, and I was like, "Oh, how many people? Boy, you don't need to know that. You, you, you can't even count that high. First of all, sir. First of all. <laughs> so go sit down. No, that's so funny. You yeah. didn't want to know. <laughs> what What advice do you wish you could give yourself at? the age that we're at right now. Like if you could go back in time and not really take away any of the experiences you had or change them, Mm -hmm. but just like to, to guide you through like this point in your life. Make everybody wear a condom. Okay. That's solid advice. Like all the time, every time, like not some of the time, not when you want to like all the time, like, Mm -hmm. like make them wear it, like make them wear it. Like, and I tell, and this is, okay, this is me being serious. <clears throat> cool. I tell my nieces not to let these young men use their body as uh, garbage disposals 
for their unwanted children. Okay. Since we're on the topic of sexual education and what you were told, and you right. were told that men only want one thing, vibes, whatever. And how it's do disgusting. You, right. And it's gross. Um, in your experience, how have you been able to discern when someone is trying to just do that no, versus it, when? It's, no, it's, it's still the same. Oh, okay. It's still the same. Okay. That's, that's their goal. Like, nobody dates just to keep going to Applebee's. <laughs> oh, but I do the love the idea yeah, of ever that. Heard. I would go to Applebee's with someone, but I hear what oh, you're saying. Game. You know what I'm saying? Like, somebody, either me or him, wants to get to have sex at some point. And the quicker we get to it, the faster we can move on to the next person to find <laughs> <laughs> Horrible oh, advice. Rocky. Horrible advice. Horrible. You have a beautiful to attitude towards life. <laughs> no, it's honestly, it's honestly, I feel like people come on the pod and feel like they have to like only <laughs> say the best, most right things. And one thing about you is you're saying exactly whatever you want. And that is the way right. life should oh. be. You know what? No. After, after I almost died <laughs> from teaching, um, I decided I was going to live. And mm. Amen. What do you mean started, when you came close to death in, in teaching? Like you were burnt yes, out? Yes. Like I had to leave. No, not burnt out. I was, um, okay. You're literally so dead. The, the last straw was when uh, the custodian was allowed, allowed to come to my classroom and explain to me how January 6th, those people had every right to storm the Capitol and those dumbass Democrats. Okay, so it was some of that. At an elementary school, they used a a, a, a a black kid to be the person they were auctioning off in a um, a slave auction. But that's the that's same county crazy. I worked for. Mm-hmm. And it's like when I started bringing up all these issues, they were basically said, uh, Miss Mateen, because I, I had put in a resignation mm-hmm. as of October. But in August, they basically said when I was you know, bringing up all this stuff, like when I reported that to the principal, she told me to, and this is her words, can you go make me a a sign that says whiskey and wieners? Like she didn't address it at all. Mm. Oh my God. Like he is still the custodian there. But when I started bringing up all these issues, they told me basically, um, since you were resigning in October, we're just going to go ahead and put you on paid administrative leave and didn't allow me to go back to teach. Mm. Jesus. Yeah. But I also uh, cussed out a lot of people on my way out. So Right. As you should. No, you said yeah. what you and, to say. And I just decided, yeah, I'm, I'm going to live. I'm going to say what I want to say. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm not going to let nobody ruin these next 47 years I got left. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so what does living look like for you now? What, what's, what's, a, what's a good solid day in the life of Rocky? Oh man, uh, with Ziggy, I, my daughter works for uh, Carolina softball, and so her husband also plays professional basketball, but overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. And so I watch my grandson almost every day. This is—it's crazy that you just said you have a grandchild. I—I think I did. I, I thought you were like forty, so that is crazy to think wow, about. That's, no, that's what happens when you lose your virginity in the front seat of a night no, I'm kidding. Oh <laughs> yeah, no, because you want to no say the full model name. I know you want to say it. What was the when you yeah, lose your virginity in the front seat of say it the. <laughs> 1986 bro ham <laughs> there you go bro ham is a year changing i don't know 
because you might have said have 1987 no before, but oh, honestly, who's listening? Just, exactly. You know it's what a I mean? pro help. Exactly. That's it. You had to get that important part out. Well, yeah, I pretty much do what I want to do. <laughs> That's amazing. So you have like a beaming smile for that reason. Rocky, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, listeners, we're going to have links for all of Rocky's TikTok, Instagram, Twitter down below. And if if nobody else, I highly recommend that you click on those links because Shorty is one of the funniest people I know on the internet. And that is saying something. So thank you so much, Rocky, for coming on. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. I hope I learned something. I did. No, I learned so much. (laughs) I learned about that that car specifically a ton. Yeah, I'm going to seek it out. I got to Google it. Google Um, it, please. And you're going to laugh. Picture me over there in the uh, passenger seat. (laughs) Not the passenger seat. (laughs) I got to go. Okay. (laughs) Hi, it's me, Lynn founder of Gold Comedy. You and I met before when we were talking about soup. Well, I founded Gold because I believe that comedy is power. Because when you make people laugh, you make people listen. And I want to make sure that everybody listens to women and non-binary folks. The Gold Comedy Club is an all-inclusive comedy world with women and non-binary folks right at the center. Your annual subscription includes classes, celebrity Q&As, performances, practice, and collaboration, all in a safe, ad-free community of people who get you and your jokes. So join us to amplify your voice, literally with a mic, at club.goldcomedy.com. All right, guys, welcome back to our sex education podcast, where the two most we're the two least qualified people to talk about this, I'd say. <laughs> or at least me, personally. No, I, you listen, know, we can figure it all out. Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Don't worry. We're, okay. you, you were right. All right. We are the two least, okay. yes, on the show right now. So Trina and I feel a little not sure of how to talk about anything. Luckily, on Badum Tess, we always have a professional on to teach us about the things that we need to know and some things we didn't knew we needed to know, and maybe even some things we just don't need to know. Um, today, we've brought on a midwife from Ohio. Please welcome Ash. Whoa. Yes. Hey, hello, Ash. How's it going? <laughs> Hi, Ash. Doing well. I'm pretty excited to do some sex ed comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Does your job ever take you to teaching spots, would you say? Like, do most people know what they're getting into when they have on are you a private midwife also is what i should know i'm not currently practicing with my own clients right now so but when i am i've been doing like mostly midwifery assistant work like assisting another midwife to be a second midwife at a birth just because i have a kid so being totally on call taking my own clients just really isn't feasible till my kid's a little older Hmm. right but yeah home birth stuff mostly could you tell um anybody who doesn't know what midwives do could you just walk us through like what some of your jobs are what you what you have to do for a birth or leading up to it yeah for sure so midwives like in a general sense i would say um look over like the clinical care of somebody going through pregnancy and labor and then they like in the immediate postpartum period so right after the birth So 
Um, midwives like do lots of prenatal appointments with clients to just be checking for any kind of um, like doing risk assessment to see that is everything developing pretty normally right now with the baby? Is everything going fine with the person who's pregnant? Um, so that'll look like hanging out, talking, blood pressure checks, um, usually, you know, checking urine, looking for signs of different things, listening to the baby, feeling the size of the baby, things like that. Also just helping people get through like pregnancy symptoms and troubleshooting stuff. And then <laughs> troubleshooting pregnancy. Yeah. That's good. Um, and then during the labor, just like all kinds of different stuff to assist someone to get through labor, but especially to monitor the health of the baby and the person laboring, making sure that things mm. stay low risk or if things are anything's going wrong, being able to intervene or like in my case, since I do home birth stuff, um, sort of just determining like, is this a point that we need to transfer to the hospital or, um, or is it something that we can really safely manage at home? How did you, how did you find that work? Like how, what brought you to it? So I, I teach childbirth ed to queer and trans people. So this is like something I get to talk about really extensively with, with my students. And I really love it is just like, um, for me, the context of doing birth work is like very much rooted in the sort of questions I was asking, like in my late teens and my early 20s about um, just like, what is all the suffering in the world? Why is there violence? Why are people terrible to each other? Mm -hmm. um, like, what are power dynamics? Why? Like, I'm Palestinian, so also just have always had a pretty deep awareness of oppression dynamics, power dynamics, like that's a really intimate part of my story and and the stories that I grew up with is just like understanding why I don't live in Palestine right now, uh, why I wasn't born there, understanding that, yeah, I mean, so many people are shit. And yeah, but not just individuals, obviously, like systems at, at a deep level and so, yeah, I think just like in all of that, exploring like the ways that I think separation is like so much at the root of a lot of a lot of these dynamics, like humans separate from land, like experiencing like disconnect from the land that they're on and not having relationship to the land or humans not having connection with other humans. So when I just kept like tracing the roots of that, I, I kept finding myself like landing at birth just like, oh, this, this starts at birth um, in like a modern context, in modern mm -hmm. society, like particularly the way that birth looks oftentimes in the hospital is a really like alienating, separative experience for birth parents, non-gestational parents, babies. Um, a lot of people really have to like fight and advocate for having connection and maintaining connection even at birth. So like what does that do to a human who's like, even at the moment of birth, there's like a pretty significant divide from like the being they were just like inside of or close to, or like the people that care about them more than others can in that moment. Yeah. That's sort of like where I kept going. That's beautiful. Damn. I feel like also yeah. there's a lot to be said about like speaking on it or speaking to queer people about birth work specifically because that's just something like as soon as you said that I was like wow I've actually never been able to contextualize my, myself in the terms of like have like 
experiencing any of that, even though that's something that I have considered and want for myself. I'm like, well, I don't know if it's going to happen because I don't even think that I'm the one that people are talking about when they talk about parents. You know what I mean? So it is really cool to hear you say that. And I would love to hear more. Like, what do you, what are the specific considerations that you have when you're talking about it? And how do you, I guess, even bring people into that work when so many queer people do feel really outside of it and like a bit weird. And yeah, I'm just, I I would love to know more. I, I mean, you like hit a really fascinating point about just like the separation between like parenthood raising children and then like a lot of queer communities like there's such a such a divide between these things um for a lot of reasons i think that makes sense in so many ways and also like has promoted like a pretty strange like ageism and just like um i think antagonism towards like parenting in, in a lot of queer spaces that i feel pretty passionately about like i don't know shifting or hoping to see that shift more. Um, so I really love like working with queer people that are about to become parents and that are like in that zone of like in between, but so many like people that are queer and pregnant or have young kids. Like I hear this like so much. It's just like, I either hang out with my parent friends or my queer friends and like they rarely mix. And a lot of times when I hang out with my queer friends, it's like hard to do it with my kid there. It's like not a really kid friendly space or something. I mean, there's there's a whole world out there of folks who are like um, working really hard, like trying to conceive in various different ways. I like often talk about how I think that queer people are like, I mean, I think queers are just like innately magical. Um, I think many queer people believe this, but. Uh, one way in which that I think queers make really incredible parents, like specifically really amazing parents, is that um, so many queers have to work really hard to have children. And like the whole journey of trying to conceive for some people can be can take a long time, might take a lot of like resources and energy and planning and thought and emotion. And that that's also true for like many straight um families too. Like not everybody just has like easy automatic fertility. That's not a perception I'm trying to paint by any means, but, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of like planning, but not only that also just, um, I think queer and trans folks have had to like question the, um, the norms that, that they've been taught from society, like from such an early age, from the get go, you have to be like, Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. I'm supposed to be I'm supposed to be het. Okay. Mm -hmm. Something about that feels whatever. Or I'm supposed to be like this gender or that gender because of what my genitals, like the way you perceive my genitals on the outside, I have to do this and that because of the genitals that you say means my, what about my gender? Like what, what, what? Just questioning all of this, I think like really builds this like amazing foundation for like just critically thinking a lot of choices about how to parent and how to think in the world being like the sort of people that aren't just like going to be spoon fed exactly how to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, which I think makes like really incredible parents. Yeah. Um, where, like, where do queer people come to find this type of information if 
if they can find out about it at all? Well, since I'm not currently practicing, I don't have my own practice taking clients, but I am doing teaching right now. So I just have my stuff all over, like wherever I can try to put it online that I teach um, trans and queer people. Some who are trying to conceive, most who are pregnant and are about to birth their first child is like my largest, like, kind of participant constituency. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also sometimes I have like trans or queer birth workers that are wanting to work with other queer and trans people. So like want the like more specific education around it, because like we get into a lot of specific queer and trans issues that you're not going to find in a regular childbirth class. Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, it's totally gender neutral language the whole time, or like, it's not assuming that you're just like this het woman birthing and like all birth material, basically. As a trans person, you have to just like convert into like trying to believe that it's about you. Just like you were saying, Trina, it's just like you automatically default to like, this isn't about me. Yeah. And that's really exhausting. Yeah. I'm so like, um excited by this i think because i've like actually i don't think i've ever met someone who practices or like formally has practiced this or i mean i don't even know what it what home births even fully entail so that's maybe on me too but i think it's I'm really picturing cool. a kiddie pool me too i i'm for- only picturing a kiddie <laughs> pool as well because it's all i've ever seen um and i think it's really cool to think about a whole community of people who are working to make that experience better. Cause I think sometimes queerness is at least at this age that I'm at like early twenties vibes, it's kind of painted as like, well, you're not going to like want to have children. And that's like not a queer thing to do. It's like not Mm -hmm. queer to want kids. Like most queer people I know are like, either they're like, yeah, I don't want kids because this world isn't just enough to bring one into the world or they're like, yeah, what would the logistics even be? Like, I'm not going to go, you know what I mean? And so um, that makes me feel really lost in that, like, desire to, to like, have have a, a family and stuff like that. Because I'm like, well, what am I going to go marry a boy? Like, I'm, like, I'm like, I'm sorry. What am I going to do that? That's a little, that's a bit much, you know? And so. Um, not necessary. It is really nice to know that people are, like yourself, are working to do this like honestly really like liberatory thing like i think it, it makes it makes me feel so much better and i hope there's one i know that you're in ohio but oh my god i wonder if there's one any near me like god but yeah well i teach online so oh great oh okay hello zoom <laughs> that's good to know yeah um i have a question what is it like so you've presumably brought many babies into this world correct like you're there at the birth yeah i've been at like i've been around helping like around like 150 births or something wow that's beautiful what is what is that like because because in my mind it's kind of i at least the way media portrays it it's like a magical moment when a baby is born um painful for those giving birth but (laughs) what is it like to be like oh my god yeah a baby to be witnessing that i mean the first the first birth I was ever at was actually in nursing school, and I didn't really want to be there. I was like, "Oh God, I have to do this maternity rotation. This sucks." Because I was like a young queer who didn't want to have anything to do with it, and um, and then I was like sobbing the second the baby was coming out. It was so like 
so unexpected because I was just like, I'm here because I have to be for my degree. That is the only reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, being in the space where a baby's coming to the world is definitely really incredible. I It's hard to even talk about. It's like such a sacred space, really, I think. Wow. Sometimes in the like, um, in the like honest, brazen conversations between other midwives, we like definitely joke about being like high, like having like oxytocin addictions. And <laughs> it's like the only reason we're here. We're just like addicted to oxytocin. We have to like keep our high going. Can't stop. <laughs> There's so much oxytocin in the room when there's a baby being born. That's like a really sacred and beautiful way to get that, though. Like, oh, you're you're chasing the high of bringing life into the world. Just, you know, it doesn't feel it's not like as nefarious as I think, Uh, you know, as far as high chasing goes. Right. It's like one of the best ones, I would say. (laughs) Ah, Getting high off of helping people. (laughs) Like, it's like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's worse highs, I suppose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just don't want my clients to know that I'm like harvesting oxytocin off them. Right. It feels and we won't consumptive. Tell them. That's why it's oh, a no, secret. No. Right. Okay. <laughs> We're not going to tell them. We're not. We won't. I think also there's like so much wrapped up in like what people feel entitled to when it comes to birth givers. Like, I think like maybe you guys have heard this, but I certainly grew up with the expectation that I was going to like want children or have kids and then being queer kind of disrupted that. And then not always identifying as a cis person also disrupted that. And so now as I try to like build my own relationship to what that would mean to me and actively trying to be like, well, I don't have to do it, but I do want to do it. But do I want to do it? Because I said, they said I had to do it and now it's in here. It's good to know that there are people who are probably thinking about that and who are dealing with it also in like a really medical, clinical and spiritual way, like combining those elements of themselves, like people like yourself. And it's been such a good reminder to me to just keep being like true to whatever it is that I want. And I'm so glad that you could come on today because I feel so... I was so low energy before, but now I'm like, birds. (laughs) Yes. I just want to say, like, I really understand that feeling about, like, having a baby feels like a really, um, like, cishet thing that it's, like, joined with that. But being queer people, like, we are so good at fucking with gender. We're so good at, like, reframing what things are. So, like, having a child, I, I have, like, had a couple men who are pregnant recently in my class and like in different words in a couple different classes, they've like said in a different way, like being pregnant has like reaffirmed my masculinity so deeply. Like Mm -hmm. I have never felt more masculine than this time that I've been pregnant. I feel like this, like I feel so strong. I feel really capable as like a protector and holder of my child. Um, Like different forms of just like it affirming their gender, like, rather than it somehow like feeling in opposition to or Mm. like a backtrack of having transitioned. That's Um, beautiful. And also like, because gender is so much more than just like your reproductive parts, when we're talking about reproduction or whatever, having children, it's, it's like really doesn't have to be tied to anything about gender or who we Mm. express ourselves in terms of our gender or sexuality. Like, 
they really are like separate topics. And the more that we like continue to think of them as combined, like that comes from mainstream cis het culture Mm -hmm. that we like think that they're somehow like really intricately combined and they're just not Mm -hmm. like who we, who we have sex with, who we're attracted to, who we don't have sex with, um, our gender, et cetera. These things are just like a part of who we are and having babies like, isn't really necessarily that connected, you know? Or it might oh, be. Right. That's beautiful. I'm like tearing up. Yeah. <laughs> that was really <laughs> sweet and good to hear and affirming to hear. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, Real quick, what does your shirt say for, for those listening on audio? Not all pregnant people are women. Nice. Oh, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Good merch. I just want to say if, if anybody like knows queer trans folks that are wanting to take my class, it's called Embodied Birth. And you can find beautiful. It beautiful yeah i was gonna say we can link down below thank you so much ash this was so wonderful i am so so glad you got to come on thank you yeah thanks so much for having me of course you too